This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's installment of Washington Post Story Mode, the show where we discuss the biggest video game news of the week, every week. Um, I'm Washington Post video game reporter Nathan Grayson, and today we are talking about Twitch streamers covering Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, in order to do that, I am joined by a guest, um, Lance from The Surfs. Uh, hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm going to apologize in advance for my terrible voice. I'm just on the tail end of recovering from COVID, but uh, I'm doing much better. So uh, it's a pleasure. Now, I, uh, I've heard I've heard that COVID is, and I quote, bad. Uh, it's not great. That, that, that's how I put it. <laughs> Um, but I would definitely uh, recommend everyone get vaccinated because my experience was uh, only a couple of days and I didn't need to go to a hospital or get Dr. Joe Rogan to get me the kitchen sink or some ivermectin or that horse strip that everyone's talking so much about. Uh, I didn't really need any external uh, things outside of uh, a healthy dose of Dayquil and NyQuil in moderation or in excess. <laughs> yeah, you know, whichever, I guess whichever works for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is that is very good to hear. And yeah, I mean, you know, the stuff clearly works. There, there are statistics that back up the fact that um, people who are vaccinated suffer from symptoms that are not as bad, and I think maybe more importantly, don't die. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> At least that, they do that not one die sucks. with a great frequency. Yeah, it's true. Um, but yeah, so like, I obviously brought you on today to talk about kind of what it's been like as somebody who streams on Twitch to kind of you know cover and address the events unfolding in Ukraine, which are obviously, you know, very terrible and tragic and, uh, you know, unnecessary. Um, and so, yeah, I just wanted to sort of talk to you about your approach to doing that and like kind of how you view yourself in the grander scheme of media that is, you know, kind of all focused on this right now. Um, so I guess to kind of begin, like in terms of, you know, when you when you cover these topics on stream, um, what are sort of your goals of your coverage? Like, are you trying to give a kind of well-rounded view of what's going on? Are you or do you have more specific goals around, like, for example, countering mainstream narratives, countering misinformation? Does it vary like broadcast to broadcast? Kind of how do you approach it? Um, well, I would say that I have pretty extreme delusions of grandeur, and so that I've come to terms with that uh, I am now pretty much the only source one should trust, and so uh, hopefully everyone who's watching me... <laughs> no, I mean, the, the only reason I want to make... <laughs> the only reason I want to make a joke about that is that it seems like it, it's pretty surreal in the modern age that a whole bunch of people who, like, two weeks ago, I was talking pretty consistently about truckers in Canada uh, and, you know, the far-right radicalization uh, aspects of that, uh, and then reacting reacting uh, to silly videos and then all of a sudden and I'm not alone in this and then every single person who is doing that next week is expected to become Walter Cronkite you know like uh, you know like the stakes the stakes might be that high um, mm -hmm. per personally for me in terms of how I've approached it is that uh, I've been trying to humble myself on a regular basis uh, because um, 
you know, streamers at the end of the day, people are watching you, I think, to be able to get the the newest uh, version of information. And it seems mm-hmm. like every single time something uh, cataclysmic is occurring, there is a online mass panic that also uh, goes along with it. Um, I could point towards uh, the events that happened at the uh, the nuclear power plant last week, and I was getting, uh, you know, a lot of people immediately, uh, you know, posting me links and things and talking about how we we're on the verge of uh, a full-on uh, 10 times worse than Fukushima event and this is that. And one of the first things I had noticed when that was happening was that it didn't seem at all that the reactor itself had been struck. Not that I'm trying to downplay the severity of what was going on. It was an absolutely mm-hmm. horrifying moment in history and one that should be avoided at all costs. But I, I noticed that a lot of people were already talking about this as if the nuclear reactor itself was on fire or they had somehow penetrated through the layers and layers of concrete that protects that barrier. Um, and very few people online uh, were trying to push the message that was, this is uh, an administrative building that's on fire near it. This is not a good situation, but this is certainly not, uh, we are on the verge of kind of like a nuclear meltdown. And that was, um, uh, I guess, a very big moment that uh, that I think a lot of streamers who are covering it at the same time kind of have mm-hmm. to recognize that, like, if if you give way to, uh, I suppose, the online panic in real time, as uh, a lot of people tend to do because these events are so scary and they're happening so quickly, um, then you're most likely going to make the situation infinitely worse. Um, mm-hmm. So when I say it's been... Uh, humbling to say the very least. Uh, I've been trying to come out as often as possible and be like, um, you know, I, I've I've gotten a lot of things wrong on this. Uh, it's it's probably my time to learn when it comes to a lot of these topics. And I'll usually um, watch a lot of content in legacy media uh, and also like you know documentaries that I trust to try and learn more about it rather than just do the typical like you know react Andy. I see an event and I mm. tell you, okay, now here's what happened and here's what's going to happen next kind of thing. Because like, I, I think anyone who tells you on a regular basis, they know what's going to happen next has no clue. Right. Right. Of course. Well, yeah. And so like with that in mind, um, how do you sort of approach like balancing those things? Cause you were talking about, you know, uh, people coming to streams to get like the latest ver- version of information. But when you're doing that, like, I can't imagine that it's easy to vet the information you get. You can do other forms of vetting. Like, for example, you're saying you can watch other sources. You can, like, you know, get better context. But, like, when something brand new, like, arrives on your doorstep, how do you say, like, okay, this is worth surfacing versus, like, oh, maybe this is a little bit, you know, dodgier? Um, Usually, before uh, I'd make an affirmative statement as in X is happening, I'd want it to be verified in some form or another by legacy media. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it, before I'd, I'd say like, OK, this this is now taking place. I'd want to see like, uh, you know, it, it being reported uh, somewhere, whether that's, you know, BBC or Al Jazeera, it doesn't matter. And at which point I can be like, mm-hmm. OK, so now we can start to approach it from from that standpoint and also to, to try and avoid people inundating uh, you with just Twitter links, because there is obviously Twitter links that can be. Uh, verified Twitter links, but even, you know, no one is above this. Everyone is getting things uh, wrong in a regular basis. You have to kind of be uh, uh, like an uh, online vetting machine. And then <laughs> and then combine that with the fact that there is a, uh, a surplus of trolls right now popping up in streamers' chat on a regular basis with just the most hyperbolic uh, statements. You know, like some people have mm-hmm. said the people have, have popped in their chat straight up being like, you know, Russia has launched nukes. And then like, you know, with all exclamation points and then just like spamming that for a while or, or things to that effect. And that obviously, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they're either trying to get a reaction out of everyone or also out of the streamer. simultaneously casting it to his Twitch. Mm. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as well. But yeah, yeah. When you when you have that going on, like when there are people saying all yeah. of this ridiculous stuff in your in your chat mm-hmm. and everything, um, like, what do you even like? Again, how do you like avoid doing the whole? How do you how do you keep a straight face at that point? Especially when it's like something where you're like, okay, this could be true. I need to vet it, but also like, you know, it could be not true and it could just be ridiculous. Like, how do you how do you sort of like? Because at the same time, you're also having to like you know, entertain people, talk to people, like continue your stream. Like how do you balance all or juggle all of these different things? Well, I, I should start by saying I'm not a gold standard for any of this. I mean, like everyone else, I, I, I'm, I've i made so many mistakes. I was one of the people pushing really hard against the fact that I even thought this was going to take place when it was first starting out just because of, I guess, um, my hesitancy to trust, uh, you know, state intel and stuff like that from coming out of the U.S., um, so I think one of the bigger things would probably be uh, recognizing uh, a lot of the, the shortcomings uh, that you have just as a React streamer. I mean, I, I have to stress this a lot. None of us are like um, have doctorates in geopolitics, you know, and like I said, a couple of weeks ago, I was I was laughing in real time at Tim Pool. Uh, getting everything wrong about the Canadian trucker rally and then it goes from that Mm -hmm. to something where the stakes are are so very high especially in the way people react to it Um, I I think for me uh, obviously before going forward with like um, I I can go I can go back to that nuclear power plant uh, event that took place Um, before it was being reported wildly in legacy media there was obviously a lot of Twitter accounts that were um, uh, sounding the alarm bells saying this was really really bad um, and then I noticed a lot of streamers weren't and this is credit to them weren't going as far as saying like this event is taking place uh, like in real time they were waiting to see what other sources said so I mean for all the excuse me in my throat but for all the um, mm-hmm. the shitting that people do on legacy yeah, media you're not right sorry no no don't <sighs> Okay, keep talking. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say for all the shitting people do in legacy media um, on a repeated basis, like, you know, the the mainstream media is all fake news and stuff like that. um, I I think streamers should also recognize that, like, we're all editorial pieces, every every single one of Mm -hmm. us, right? We're not journalists. We're we're entertainers on the internet. That's what we do. You know, like, half the time, uh, you know, when we're not reporting on on this kind of stuff, we're we're, we're making, uh, you know, poop and pee jokes and stuff like that. So um, (laughs) (laughs) if it were not for the work of actual real journalists who cover this kind of stuff, and um, even, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the the bravest of the brave, the ones who are, like, on the ground floor uh, and and going Mm -hmm. to those locations, um, streamers would be nothing but just uh, you're looking at one individual's ability to editorialize in real time. That That's really, really what it uh, comes down to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, like when you when when you sort of address this, because this, this is kind of a thing where I think they, there's a really hard balance to strike. Right. Because I, I think that on some level you want to present yourself as authoritative because then people will come to your stream for information in these times. And like, you know, if you if you start your stream by saying like, hey, everybody, ignore me, then people are probably not going to watch you. But at the same time, you still need to convey like, hey, I'm just a person like I there, there are other authorities out there. Or there are other sources that might have like info that is, you know, more concrete than what I can pre- present. And so how do you couch that when you are when you're addressing audiences about this? How do you sort of walk that line such that people understand where you're coming from and like 
the sort of, you know, again, position that you occupy amongst all of these other media sources they could be drawing on? Uh, I, I would say just on a repeated basis to acknowledge what exactly you are. And, and in my mm-hmm. case, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an entertainer on the internet. I like, I, I hope people walk away from my streams, um, not not just entertained, but obviously uh, educated on a topic, right? So I, I do think there's a, a responsibility to do due diligence and that kind of stuff when you're talking about these kind of things. But, um, you know, the, I, I, I don't have any delusions of grandeur about this. I, I, I think transparency would be the big thing, just, just, just to be completely clear out of the gates that, like... Um, Again, what, what you're witnessing, if you watch me live covering this event, is you're watching someone editorializing based on their own biases and opinions as quickly as possible in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, um, so it, uh, in chat, Imp Grievous just asked, I've heard streamers talk about chat as helping to validate information and also chat as a vector for misinformation. How do you balance that? Um, I think anyone who's got a large, uh, like a large viewer base knows that they're probably mm-hmm. going to have a lot of people whom they recognize in terms of like names and trust. Uh, so there are certain people who, uh, you know, when they send it a link, um, if it's someone I've never seen before in the chat, obviously I'm going to be a little bit more dubious about whether I should even like put it up on screen first before like vetting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I usually, I usually try to tell them the, the same thing that I, I hope they expect from me, which is that like, um, Verify your sources. If if it's you know um, uh, Ukraine for twenty big chungus at whatever <laughs> on twi- on Twitter, and they've made some huge statement with just like a little JPEG or something, could could not be the most verified source. So then, mm-hmm. if you found out a piece of news from that, go check to see if it's being echoed anywhere else. See check out if uh, you are seeing that in uh, you know legacy media or prominent and verified sources. Are they tweeting about it as well? And then if they are, is there an article about it before just going right into full panic mode uh, all the time? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, and I mean, like the you know, ideally in those situations, you get things right and you've reported a good piece of information, and you know people do with that what they will. But in the instances where you don't, where you make a mistake, how do you handle that? Hopefully the mistake wasn't too much of a big fuck up, um, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, we're all, we've all done it, um, myself included. Maybe not as much related to this, but I have in the past. Um, I, I, I guess just um, don't uh, don't let the ego that comes along with being a, uh, a streamer try and cloud your ability to um, admit your uh, limitations. That, that, that would probably be it. And, um, and just be forthwith, you know, um, where it's like, hey, by the way, I was, I, I, I not only was mocking the US intel about an imminent invasion uh, of Ukraine by Russia, I was making memes about it be- because of, you know, uh, my history. No, sorry. One subscription. sorry about that. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's my <laughs> notification thing. So I'll turn those off. Um, and thank yeah, you, Joe Spinner. Um, Sorry, I, I not only was, was mocking their information about that, but I was making memes about it. And that was just because, you know, I, I, I was protesting during the, the Iraq war uh, before it took place. And I was inundated with the amount of, uh, you know, uh, U.S. information that was coming up in that period, um, which a lot of it turned out to be falsifiable related to WMDs, DLK Uranium, all, all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then I was like, oh, are, are we now going to believe uh, the, the U.S. intel once again, which seems to re almost sounding war drums towards an event that no one wants, right? Obviously, no one would want mm-hmm. Russia to invade Ukraine. And, and then as it continued to happen, they gave us 
like hardline dates like the 16th and then nothing happened on the 16th and then once again it was just like well it just seems like the u.s is really trying to propagate consistently uh this this narrative uh that that is uh in my opinion not, not going to be true and when it turned out to be true that that was a huge moment where i think a lot of people who had been saying that especially myself for so long had to take a step back and be like you know we, i was wrong i was i was i was completely wrong about this and uh you know uh all i can do is um both uh, apologize and and hope to hope to to get better in the future because again streamers aren't um streamers aren't journalists they are opinion mm-hmm. pieces and unlike opinion pieces uh and pundits on fox news we're pundits without any editorial staff uh our editorial mm-hmm. staff is our chat basically it's, it's the people who are watching right. you and who are going to be like uh either outraged and hopefully you listen to them like hopefully you listen to you know hundreds of people who are like shut the fuck up what are you talking about you're so wrong on this but outside of that like even Fox News has, uh, you know, an, an editorial staff that'll prevent, uh, hopefully, Sean Hannity from saying something a little too beyond the pale. So there, mm-hmm. would, there, there would be that aspect as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's one of these things though. Where like, I, I think that there are, in that regard, you know, you're definitely vulnerable um, to like, you know, making mistakes and things like that. But at the same time. Um, I, I think that from, you know, major media, there's an expectation, especially given that they have teams and things like that, to be almost infallible, or at least to never get it wrong in this way where, like, it, it can be, it, I, I think that they're, like, it's a it's a double-sided coin, but, like, one of the problems with that is that, you know, there can be almost too much trust in institutions that ultimately do have, like, agendas or that are run by people. They are ultimately fallible. And I think that like maybe one of the upsides that streamers have, despite the fact that they don't have maybe teams vetting their information, is that they can be wrong and be like, yep, I got it wrong. I am a human being. And also like, you know, in in doing so, you can serve as evidence that even people who seem authoritative aren't necessarily going to nail it all of the time. And especially in an instance like this, where there are just a lot of things that nobody really knows that like you shouldn't just put all of your trust in one single individual or one network or whatever, because, you know, everyone's trying to make sense of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are um, a handful of streamers that I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, start uh, drama or tea on your, uh, you know, lovely <laughs> fundraiser here, but there are a handful of streamers who are... Mean, small amount of tea is a dream. <laughs> <laughs> who, are, who are pushing... Um, you know, basically like RT, Russia Today talking points on mm-hmm. a mainstream platform like Twitch. And, and there are partnered streamers who are doing that. And, and they are, mm-hmm. you know, regurgitating a lot of points that I would, you know, myself uh, feel are just ultimately incredibly falsifiable. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them going as far as like, you know, like QAnon-esque conspiracy theories. So... Um, there, 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 I mean, there are, there's certainly like in terms of the editorializing being done uh, by Twitch in regards to political streamers talking on this issue, there hasn't really seemed to be uh, a large push um, from Twitch in terms of what their, um, I guess, uh, meters are or what their barometer is. Like, I can't really get a sense for what what stance they're trying to take. I think they're trying to, you know, allow for as much uh, freedom of thought, freedom of speech as possible. Uh, While at the same time, I'm sure there's going to be limits to that, um, ultimately, Mm -hmm. as as things continue to accelerate. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, because, like, um, did, did you see Twitch, like, update their misinformation policy last week? No. How did they alter? Oh, okay. 
because they've they've always had a very strong uh like i was trying to tell someone uh, not too long ago that like you technically aren't allowed to present any false information on twitch like just as Hmm. as a hardline rule if you look at the like not just the tos but the the very in the tos where they there's all these different chapters you can click on like their their views on um like uh you know sexual impropriety their views on violence Mm -hmm. their views on this in in the very first one you're you're not supposed to present any uh false information it's it's like very clearly worded Hmm. which Um, all of us do by the way (laughs) yeah oh yeah of course I mean that that's unavoidable um but yeah so basically like their their new policy um here i will scroll to the part of my article that states it so i can just quote it instead of butchering it <laughs> um let's see okay so their their new policy prohibits room. and this is a quote individuals or propaganda entities whose online presence is dedicated to disseminating misinformation with clear risks of real world harm um but it leaves room for, and this is another quote, one-off statements containing misinformation. Um, interesting. So yeah, it, it's interesting that you talk about people kind of, you know, propagating what are essentially like RT talking points because it's like that, that sort of like raises the question of where is the line? At what point do you become in the, in Twitch's eyes, basically like a propaganda entity or someone whose online presence is quote unquote dedicated to disseminating misinformation versus being someone who like, the statements you're making, even if they tie in with these talking points, could be considered one-off relative to your larger body of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny you'd say that. I just had someone pop in my chat saying, hail Putin, uh, and then mm-hmm. saying it over and over, and now they're just spamming the chat with it. So so there, there you are. For... <laughs> 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 oh, we're actually, oh, okay, sorry. No, I'm getting, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, a hate raid or whatever because there's like six or oh, seven great. different accounts that are all spamming the same stuff right now um so Wonderful. hey it's happening in real time if you ever if you ever wanted to see uh, a hate raid take place in real time it's happening <laughs> in my twitch chat um and big yeah, thank no, you to the mods like who are I, now I, furiously uh deleting people's accounts <laughs> yeah yeah hats off to the mods not an easy job especially when that kind of a thing is going down mm-hmm. um but yeah, no, like it, it, it is really interesting though, because Twitch, you know, again, they roll out these policies and policies are written to sound unilateral, but then things like what you are describing can still happen on the platform. And because the language around these policies is so vague, you, you can make a case that they're like, well, th- that doesn't fall under the policy. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they, maybe their, their accounts previously had not been dedicated to that level of misinformation or disinformation. So, you know, they get a pass, um, or like again, a particular streamer. Yeah, historically they've talked about other things, so they get a pass. Or like they mix in these kind of Russia talking points with other things. So, you know, who can really say? Yeah. Um, and at that point, like, yeah. I mean, do you do you think that broadly Twitch does a good job containing this stuff, or do you think that they sort of, you know, I, I think relative to even YouTube or whatever, have kind of gotten lucky in regards to people either using or not using their platform to spread misinformation around major political events? Um, I think um, Twitch operates the same way that YouTube does in that while they have a TOS and they have a clear Mm -hmm. list of guide, uh, sorry, a clear guideline in how uh, everything should be enforced, 
there isn't really any transparency as to uh, you know a case by case basis why this has happened or why that has happened. Um, I was um, I was I've been specifically banned uh, for reasons uh, where they'd give me a thirty day ban, and then when I would reply or you know appeal the ban with saying something like uh, I I thought I was doing the same thing that uh, like a lot of other streamers were doing without naming names, mm-hmm. they then reduced it to a seven day ban right after that right, but without any explanation as to why. I, I tried asking then afterwards, can you give me clarification as to why? Um, me saying this resulted in the less you know amount of days that I have it, but there's nothing in that regard to to letting me know. Um, but that's pretty much how giant tech companies operate, right? In terms of enforcing their TOS, um, I I don't know if they've been tested uh, like this in, in recent memory, where right now. Uh, it is a platform where a lot of people are, are turning to for a variety of reasons, not just to get uh, the newest news, but because obviously um, in a time where a lot of people might be afraid or at a time when a lot of people might feel isolated either by the pandemic or, or just the world around them, there there is a kind of like a cozy sense of being in uh, an online community, uh, especially if you're like watching one of your favorite streamers, you're getting to hang out with a lot of other people who you like and chat and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you, you might have more people turning to, to Twitch, not just for the newest news, but just to feel um, a little bit more safe in amongst everything that's happening. Right. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I also earlier this week I reported on uh, sanction or U.S. and European sanctions hitting Twitch streamers in Russia, and they were also saying basically that like even though you know they can no longer make money off of Twitch um, because basically all their payment options have been taken away, that they're going to keep streaming in part because like as you're saying it kind of like it keeps them sane, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know things are bad. I mean, much more so in Ukraine than in Russia, but nonetheless, things are pretty bad for Russian citizens at this point, too. Oh, absolutely. And you know, if you've got a community of people who at the very least are saying like, hey, we care about you um, and checking in on you and all of this stuff, then that's something, right? And it can be, as, you, as you're saying, like also kind of a distraction from, from everything else if your stream doesn't just focus on like world events. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the Russian streamers I talked to, yeah, he was like, I'm going to continue to stream. Um, I do believe in these hard times. A lot of people need a distraction from all the world events, and I keep a pretty like comfy, non-political broadcast. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, like that just seems, uh, you know, like one of these things that maybe people don't immediately think about when it comes to Twitch in relation to major conflicts. Is like you know, there's the obvious element of people talking about those conflicts on Twitch and reporting on them to some degree, but then there's also just like the need to be you know, for a little bit at least, to be separate from it. Not necessarily to ignore it, because I don't think that's a good thing for people to be doing when the stakes are this high and when people are suffering. But just to, you know, take a breather, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there, because I think um, there has been a lot of prominent uh, Russian streamers and YouTubers. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if I can swear on your show, so I'll just say no F-words uh, is one of the hey, biggest hey. YouTube Yeah, uh, good streamers. policy. We generally try to avoid swearing, so okay, thank you. So, sure. <laughs> I, 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 did, I didn't know, because uh, I swear quite a bit on my no, show. No, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. Um, but anyways... I don't personally uh, care. Uh, no F word is uh, the name of a really prominent Russian streamer who has been obviously an outspoken, uh, you know, uh, he's very against the war. Uh, he's, a, a, you know, against Putin's policies as much as you can be as someone who, you know, directly lives in Russia, all that kind of stuff. And, and he's con- been very consistent in his messaging on both those subjects. And at the same time is obviously now cut off from uh, any form of being able to get paid for for what he does uh, in uh, in Russia, as well as, you know, that I was reading your article. And yes, there's a number of uh, Twitch streamers who are in the same boat and um 
I I don't know if anyone was really expecting to see as rapidly as it took place, not just um, sanctions coming from countries themselves, but coming from corporations. Like the corporate mm-hmm. sanctions have, have ramped up so rapidly and so quickly mm-hmm. um, that, that I think that was something that no one could have either predicted or understood what the ramifications were going to be as they were taking place uh, faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really has. A, and it's one of these things where and I'm, I'm I'm curious about how, like, on your stream, you discuss sanctions, because I think that, like, you know, the the goal, obviously, of sanctions is to prevent a more active armed conflict between countries like the U.S. and Russia. But at the same time, like historically sanctions, you know, the impact of them in other countries have been mixed. And generally speaking, when we're talking about matters of class, they impact, you know, the lower class and people who are already vulnerable. And then like in a country like Russia, for example, which has a very calcified upper class, has leadership and then also oligarchs, like those people are pretty insulated from these impacts. And so it's like, you know, I I guess like when you're talking about this, what kind of context do you give on that front? And like, how do you sort of depict the fact that these sanctions are having impacts on, you know, real and often normal people, many of whom oppose the war? Yeah, of course. Well, that's that's pretty much usually been my messaging is that sanctions affect, uh, you know, the regular populace the worst. And uh, I in no way would want to advocate for something that is going to result in obviously, uh, you know, uh, mass starvation of uh, potentially millions of people as a result of, uh, you know, economic sanctions being done. There's absolutely no control, I suppose, you could have as a citizen over what corporate sanctions are going to be or what, uh, you know, form they're going to take. Um, as opposed to, uh, you know, the the sanctions of uh, your government uh, in that Mm -hmm. case. Um, I think what is being done right now is there is a form of economic warfare that is being employed uh, to try and continue... Uh, to try and continue pressure towards uh, the administration of Vladimir Putin uh, in order to either de-escalate or to end uh, the invasion. Um, whether or not that is actually going to have the the effect that everyone is hoping for, or if it's going to create a situation in which now the price of oil is uh, incredibly valuable, uh, the ability for Russian oligarchs who would stand to make the most money from per- perhaps the potential sale of oil to new markets or different markets because they're being cut off from existing ones, are they going to be directly as affected as everyone else, uh, such as just regular Russian citizens? Is, is it going to achieve the effect that you're looking for, or is it going to effectively uh, ca- cause mass starvation, um, which, of course, is not something that you want? Um, I, I would be uh, a complete, uh, you know, a joke of a person if I if I tried to say that I understand more about uh, the implications of economic sanctions than people who uh, you know know worlds more about this talk sorry this topic than I do obviously what I'm uh, what, what I talk about when I do uh, reporting on this is you know this is what I've been uh, you know studying and reading from a, a variety of uh, literature usually from a leftist perspective usually coming at it from uh, you know other people who might trust on this topic or, or news sources like mm-hmm. democracy now and stuff like that um, but yeah, it, it seems to be somewhat uncharted territory in, in that, you know, the financial collapse of the ruble that is happening so quickly in real time, uh, mm-hmm. what what effect is that going to have? Is is it going to be a situation in which, uh, you know, uh, a despotic leader like uh, Vladimir Putin, is, is he uh, going to cave to external pressure? Is he going to cave to global pressure? Is the, like, there, there's a lot of things that I never expected to happen that are happening right now, such as, you know, the mm-hmm. UN resolution vote, uh, seeing the amount of countries that normally would be hardline allies uh, of Russia abstaining. 
in, in their decision on that vote. That is that is something I, I didn't expect to see. Um, where we're seeing China take a very uh, neutral position in this, uh, rather than one that is directly backing Russia, right, and saying that they too want to see de-escalation of violence that is taking place in Ukraine. Um, so again. Uh, I I don't know what this all would be leading towards. Obviously, you know, I I, I think um, Chelsea Manning put it really well. There's no good outcome, but there's less horrible ones. And I guess mm-hmm. we want to steer towards the less horrible outcomes, ideally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, but I mean, there, so there are a lot of interesting things that you mentioned in there. Um, and yeah, one of them that I think is worth kind of touching on is that again, as you were saying, like you, you are able to acknowledge that you don't know as much as some people. Um, and additionally, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I think you're able to acknowledge in a way, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of just like streamers being individual people not having to adhere to kind of the, the way that major networks portray themselves, which is like above everything, both in terms of like level of knowledge and in terms of like a lack of biases, um, that, you know, you're able to acknowledge what your sources are, which are often like you know, left-leaning or leftist in nature. Um, And yeah, I mean, like, do you think that that appeals more to, I, I, especially to like kind of, you know, younger people who are coming up on sort of influencer culture and stuff like that, that they like to know who exactly is telling them, you know, what's going on in the world and also where that person is coming from, what they're sort of, what informs their viewpoints. Uh, And sorry, how does, uh, what is your question related to that? It, do, do you think that that apply, do you think that that kind of approach appeals more to like kind of the the more current younger generation than maybe like a network broadcast style approach of like a CNN or whatever it does simply because oh, okay. you know you're able to actually wear your biases on your sleeve which is not an intrinsically bad thing in my mm-hmm. mind um I don't know because a lot of the times when we pull my audience, they don't skew 100% towards Zoomers. Like there's obviously younger members mm-hmm. of the audience, but it's usually in the in the higher 20s, early 30s uh, in terms of people well, who I watch will, me. I will give you some demographic information, actually. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, by the standards of legacy media, that is still extremely young. Oh, okay. It's really funny because like to the internet, I'm a boomer. Right. I, I'm in my early yeah, me 30s. Too. Me too. So I'm, I'm in my late yeah, 30s. I'm a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But to legacy media, we are like, infants we are mm. babies um yeah no i i will say that um let's see because i'm not sure if i can actually share this information i'll obscure it some i will say that a certain legacy publication that i know quite well um like the average readership age is like above 50 oh, and okay. so anything below that is considered young oh gotcha so, anyway just some fun information mm-hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so my audience is cure younger um, I suppose yes. I, I think there was uh, a big interest and a surging interest in leftist ideas uh, post mm-hmm. uh, the first political run of Bernie Sanders uh, that I think has grown over time. Um, but all that being said, looking at polling in, in my country, in Canada, for example, I have been astonished to see how uh, ready um, citizens in this country are for things like enacting a no-fly zone. I don't know if that's because they don't understand the repercussions of what a no-fly zone is. Uh, I don't know if they mm-hmm. if they don't understand what that would mean, uh, which would effectively be leading, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. Uh, and NATO allies into a direct conflict, uh, a military escalation. 
with Russia, something that I think everyone mm-hmm. should be on the same page is uh, the thing we want to avoid, uh, which is what I would assume. <laughs> but uh, when I see polling in this country, uh, Canadians, even if it shows how the question was asked, seem to be overwhelmingly in favor of a no-fly zone. And I, I cannot for life of me understand why. Um, it, it could be... Um, Either A, they're not entirely sure of the repercussions of what that would mean, or B, uh, they're seeing just the horrors and the devastation that is happening to Ukraine and they feel helpless. And as a result of feeling helpless, they, they feel like, isn't this something we can do? Isn't there something we can do to stop this, to stop this now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's why one of the things I'm, I'm also trying to reinforce in my messaging is just to get people to understand what the implications of that would be uh, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and to try and prevent that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's a very that's very interesting to me because I've seen a a lot of streamers on Twitch talk about the idea of a no fly zone. And I think that across the board, they have pretty consistently emphasized what it would mean more broadly, which is what you're saying, an actual direct conflict. And I think that in maybe more traditional news media, the tendency has been to use the phrase, but to contextualize it a little bit less. I mean, I've seen like Let's see, I think there was like a, what, MSNBC segment or something the other day where like they really went into it. They brought on somebody who was like very much of the stance of like, if we do this, there will be a conflict. It could be really, really bad. Um, But I think more broadly, people hear that term and it just sounds like a set of rules, right? Like it's very, it's just like, oh yeah, we just like say this thing and then they'll be like, okay, okay. That like, in addition to sanctions, now we're going to back off. But Mm -hmm. it's like, no, to have a no-fly zone, you've got to enforce it, right? Yeah, and it's, like, it's, it's not a I name think only. maybe the part of the message that doesn't get across is what that enforcement would mean. Yeah, that that could be the aspect of it. I mean, even worse than that, I've seen so many, and uh, I don't want to, you know, alienate any of your listeners, but like blue checkmark liberals do this kind of like <laughs> nuclear war would be very bad, mm-hmm. but but right and that <laughs> but is always where i'm just aghast i i am like in what way do you think there can be some kind of let's just say measured nuclear response or measured tactical nuclear deployment like this mm-hmm. th- these these aren't the kind of war ga- i don't know it, p- part of me worries sometimes maybe it has something to do with people uh getting the source of their information on on nuclear proliferation from uh fallout or something to that effect. I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I mean, but, also, are they paying attention to what Fallout's about? Yeah, I know. Game, the world's looking pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the ideal future, uh, to say the least. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it it, yeah. it it genuinely disturbs me to see that. Uh, I, I think that should be uh, the uh, you know the kind of life ending event that everyone wants to avoid at all at all talks. Sorry, at all at all, right. um, at all costs. Yeah. I mean, if we want to go into the media angle of it for a second, I think also like, and you know, I, I'm always hesitant to ascribe anything like to solely to media portrayals, because I think that's overstated. I think like, you know, that, that kind of argument ultimately leads you to like video games cause violence. And I think that's kind oh, of yeah. a ridiculous argument to oh, make it's on absurd. its face. It's absurd. Um, but I do think that like media narratives are more subtle in the ways that they inform how we might think. And I think that a pervasive kind of like point of view represented in media, at least where it concerns, you know, apocalypses and whatever, is the one of, you know, the survivor. And I think that because that's always the perspective character, I I think that a lot of people maybe have a tendency unconsciously, not necessarily like saying these words in their head, but thinking like, I'm going to be that person. Mm -hmm. That's going to be me. So like, yeah, maybe it'll be bad for everyone else, but I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll, you know, use my 
hard scrabble attitude to <laughs> pull me through it all and, and I'll, my prepper you know, buckets go hunt in the wastelands yeah i yeah i, I want to be perfectly clear i i don't buy into the narrative at all that uh, i think you know uh, violent video games or you know sexualized video games oh, yeah, or any of that no. negatively impacts kids i think that's uh you know been absurd for a very long time um mm-hmm. i i what what i feel more is that i think there hasn't really been uh a lot of uh mainstream education on the subject of what exactly nuclear war entails, what exactly nuclear bombs are, how do they uh, interact with the environment, what fallout is, what the actual devastation and effects will be, and how it is pretty much mm-hmm. a zero-end game. There is not a uh, a tactical, uh, you know, measured uh, nuclear war between two superpowers. It, it is, like, mm-hmm. of the utmost importance that is avoided at all costs. But I agree with you in a sense that I think some people... Cause I remember when um, basalts uh, were being accused of turning people into zombies. And I know this sounds like a really weird tangent, but I remember when that was out of the news, I had a lot of people who I was friends with on Facebook who were very excited because they thought this was the start of the zombie movie. And they were all oh like, holy shit, holy shit, it's happening. This is so cool. And I was like, what about zombie movies has ever made you think this is something I want to be in? But they were just like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just like everything resets to zero, you know? And it's no longer about all these systems and, and empires and, and governments. Mm-hmm. We we all just have to get to our nearest like um, Costco and and then grab our you know our uh, shotguns and we're going to be the heroes of that era and so maybe it's that mm-hmm. kind of romanticization of it maybe that that leads a little right. people into thinking this could be something for me a, a new future a reset yeah yeah which is like really grim right because we it, it speaks to I think you know the the way that our society has evolved that things are so dire for people that they look at like their current present existence and then they look at one that is like a wholly unknown and b like likely just devastating and they're mm-hmm. like i picked that one yeah that one seems better <laughs> like <laughs> of, the, of them all um, well you, you know with preppers apparently there's this actual like uh like a psychological evaluation of that kind of mindset where they feel mm-hmm. in the future they will have advantages they don't have in everyday life because they are the only ones who are going to have the resources, the materials, the mm-hmm. shelters, and the prepper buckets. And, and they may be the new emperors and lords of some, you know, dystopian future. Right, right. Which, I mean, again, is a very, like, you know, it's a very capitalistic mentality, right? Oh, yeah. It's just like you're hoarding a different kind of wealth at that point. You're hoarding yep. what will be the presumed wealth of the future as opposed to the current wealth of now. Though a lot of people who are preppers are off often have a fair amount of money. So they're hoarding in in the present tense as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, in any case, um, it's certainly like, it's certainly a, an odd or not odd, but it's just like a, a very, to me, sad mentality to embrace. Um, that said, that's also like, I think another side of maybe covering something that comes up le- or covering all of this, that comes up less on kind of mainstream networks, which is the the more environmental angle, right? I, I've seen some streamers on on Twitch, for example, advocate for like, okay, if we want to end this conflict, or rather at least like kind of take away Russia's power in the future of conflicts like this, because this is probably not going anywhere, no matter how this resolves, mm-hmm. um, would be to, you know, like divest from oil and gas and like yeah. immediately double down on, you know, sources of green energy and turn that into something that is pervasive across the country. 
Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you've talked about in your broadcasts? Yeah, and it's something I still advocate for. I would recommend a new article by no- uh, Naomi Klein in The Intercept, where she really kind of mm-hmm. ties all these things together and, and puts the focus on uh, oil and energy and how rather than, because this is all taking place when we just got that new climate report, which of course is always mm-hmm. just like things are so much worse than we originally thought. Um, yep. But every it, time. It, every time. <laughs> but in amongst everything else, it, it could be a golden opportunity for. Uh, you know, uh, humanity, especially countries that are now situating themselves in opposition to Russia and their dependence perhaps on uh, oil from other sources to look towards migrating towards uh, greener sources of energy and even controversial greener sources of energy like nuclear power or or things like that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Which I know is a, a hot topic for a lot of people, but we don't have a lot of time left and we don't have a lot of options. And if right now the geopolitics of uh, oil is consistently bringing us into, uh, you know, uh, global events uh, and, uh, you know, the economics of it all is, is making us either more or less dependent on what was previously considered uh, the axis of evil, which now is becoming the axis of convenience, it seems, uh, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the once enemies of the United States like Iran and Venezuela are, are now going to be welcomed uh, as besties uh, if they can provide us with, uh, you know, alternative energy sources. Um, it, it would also be a time, yes, I, I completely advocate for moving towards um, uh, greener energy and uh, less reliance on fossil fuels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of these things where, like, you know, it, it, I, I see this mentality kind of expressed a lot in certain circles, many of them, like, left-leaning and then often from like streamers on Twitch, but it still feels like that, that idea, at least in terms of like kind of penetrating upwards into more mainstream outlets into sort of the things that like my parents would watch, like there, there sort of seems to be a cutoff that I think might be born of, for example, just people who have a lot of power and influence being like, well, if we did that, we'd have to change everything that would require a massive scale overhaul. That would mean a lot of people who currently make a lot of money off of the present system um, would make less money. And so like when you, when you advocate for these things, right. Cause you were talking about, and I, I don't disagree with you that like, we don't have a ton of time left. Just looking at these reports, it is laid pretty bare. Um, I mean, like, how do you maintain, you know, kind of a sense of hope that this might occur? Uh, drugs. <laughs> no, um, uh, uh, to be fair. Okay. So if you're going to talk about things like de-escalation, um, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that a lot of people uh, kind of gloss over when it comes to uh, the Green New Deal, um, and sorry, my voice is cracking a bit right now, but no, it's okay. uh, when yeah, it comes to that, it's is, is that it, it cannot exist in and of simply this kind of fairy tale that we just switch over, like we flip a light switch and then we move mm-hmm. from uh, fossil fuels to the clean energy. You, There are tens of thousands of jobs at stake, and in no way do I think that tens of thousands of workers uh, who are working in coal mines, who are working in uh, energy that may be considered not uh, part of future tech, should suddenly all lose their jobs en masse. And so we have just swaths of unemployed Canadians and unemployed Americans uh, either working in the tar sands or working in fracking. Uh, who suddenly don't have an opportunity, there should be provisions implemented by the government in order to be able to have uh, training programs for people Mm -hmm. who want to leave those industries and allow them to transition into greener jobs. And it has to be part of the assumed cost. Um, Mixed in with, I I think you have to have 
brave politicians who are willing to stop subsidizing uh, oil and gas companies uh, just full stop. And in certain cases in Canada, I would advocate for things like nationalizing um, the oil and gas industry specifically because it used to be nationalized in this country. Um, and ever since it's become privatized, the expansion of extraction and in more dangerous forms of extraction in this country, such as uh, uh, the tar sands, which is just one of the worst ways you can possibly extract uh, bitumen from the earth, my God, um, have become uh, more uh, proliferated, which is obviously a massive problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so getting kind of back on the on the topic of, I guess, like coverage on Twitch, and I, I you know, you, you said your voice is kind of bothering you. So I don't want to keep you for too much longer because I don't want you to you know, not be able to talk tomorrow. That would be unfortunate. I can, I can answer um, one very salient question. Just make it really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm not sure if this is my best question necessarily, but I think it is pertinent to everything else we've discussed. So it kind of puts a bow on it. Um, I, I think that there are at least some people I've noticed, like, you know, as you're saying, there are a lot of people who are like consistent in your chat or in the chat of other streamers, particularly like people like Hassan. Um, and it seems like they're probably using Twitch as their main news source here. Um, or if not that, then at least like a, a very supplementary news source that kind of allows them to, you know, it, it basically curates the news for them, right? Like, because there's so much happening and there's so many different sources of information coming at them. They're like, okay, well, a streamer can at least help me make sense of this. Um, I mean, like more broadly, how do you feel about a, that development, the fact that people are doing that at all? And then B, how do you feel about the responsibility you personally have as a result of that? Um, I, I I think the interaction of Twitch is what makes it unique and what makes the experience different from any other form of media that came before it. Uh, whereas, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a very small streamer. If you're going to mention Hassan, we're in different worlds. Mm -hmm. The guys like, you know, right, right. The, in Jon Stewart levels of, of fame. <laughs> but like, but the difference between Hassan and Jon Stewart is that when you're watching Jon Stewart, you wouldn't be able to talk to him. You wouldn't be able to send him a message that most likely is intended to piss him off because that's the most the majority of people in his song's yeah. chat. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, they love to stunlock him. Yeah, they love to stunlock him and make him and make him uh, mauled. So I yeah, think that yeah. I, I I love that aspect of, uh, about uh, Twitch and Twitch streaming. However, yeah, mm -hmm. there, there's absolutely now more than ever a massive responsibility both on um, the the streamers and you know another shout out to mods because the mods are the ones who are keeping. Uh, chat safe for most of the time like we just got ab about uh, i'd say three or four hundred accounts just you know all of a sudden uh all flash joining me while i was talking to you all with these names mm -hmm. that clearly show that they're part of nick fuentes uh groiper kind of um yeah. uh yeah associated um and you know if, if it wasn't for mods all of a sudden just furiously ban 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 accounts mm -hmm. right then while i was talking to you i would have been this entire conversation just distracted with all my chat flashing with all this kind of like you know glory to russia stuff uh, flowing that was mm -hmm. happening so uh the mods are really important as well and yeah th there's obviously a huge um amount of responsibility on the streamer if you're going to talk about issues that are of this kind of seriousness and this doesn't just apply to ukraine i mean if you're going to talk about mm -hmm. issues related to trans kids and, and the war on trans kids in both the united states and other countries abroad uh yeah there's responsibility on you to educate yourself on that topic so that if you are going to advocate about it you can give people who are watching you i guess the best possible messaging and ammo mm -hmm. for they for themselves to take and, and then be able to you know uh, argue with their family who might be uh, a little bit transphobic but not be aware of it uh or, or whatever the case may be so um um, the, yeah, the, the responsibility is high, and um, 
I think all anyone can really be is uh, transparent at this point. Just be like, mm-hmm. uh, I am, I'm not a journalist. I am an entertainer, and uh, I'm an imp- I am an opinion piece. I am slanted. I am biased. Here are my biases. I'm very left leaning. Uh, I'm obviously going to mm-hmm. give you the news from that, but I don't intentionally lie. Like I'm not intentionally here to to Alex Jones you into buying my uh, soy pills. Uh, I you know I'm I, I'm here to entertain you and I'll hopefully correct you correct myself when I get it wrong and that would probably be uh, the difference. Yeah, yeah. Just one quick follow up on that because I'm curious about this. Yeah. But I mean, like you know, you you are talking from a place of you know clearly like the the best of intentions and things like that. Um, I mean, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't matter. News media, <laughs> but, right? Like, exactly. Good good intentions don't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, and so like if we're talking about more traditional news media, you know, there are systems in place to at least incentivize telling the truth, right? Um, like there are direct consequences for when you mess up, both from without and within. And I think that like the at least from the outside looking in for streamers, those consequences are at least a lot more informal. And so do you think that on the platform you you have or like any given streamer has incentives to remain to to adhere to what you're saying here to like be open about your biases and to like correct yourself when you're telling when you mess up or do you think it's just like you know kind of person to person whatever they decide to do that that's what they end up doing Well I mean outside of the TOS outside of Twitch actually mm-hmm. cracking down on you the only accountability really comes from either your viewers who could just mm-hmm. suddenly decide, uh, I hate the fact that Lance has gone from talking about lefty stuff to wanting to sell us all this brain force plus, so I'm not going to watch them anymore. <laughs> so they just leave you on mass, right? Or other uh, streamers calling you out is the other one, right? Because suddenly mm-hmm. it'll be a big drama cycle where someone else is like, hey, by the way, you, you lied about this and you were factually incorrect and you won't correct yourself. I'm going to put you mm-hmm. on blast. That's kind of the, the closest thing to accountability uh, comes, uh, sorry, that, that comes to streamers in this uh, avenue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because on one hand, it's accountability from your peers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I do think that means something. I, I think that people often respond to their peers calling them out, at least in some way, shape or form. But I also think that like, you know, for better or worse, often for worse, um, drama is a is one of the currencies of the internet. Yeah. And like drama can often be good for people. It can be good for their public profile, meaning that it can also be an incentive to make a mistake or to behave disingenuously. I mean, I think we see this a lot in kind of, you know, in in terms of like uh political influencers and stuff. Like, I mean, a lot of, you know, yeah, a, a lot of politics influencers behave pretty purposefully in bad faith. Um, yeah. Uh, are you going to list names? Are we going to hash this out? Or yeah. are we? <laughs> no, I no, mean, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally you know. joking. But I, I but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, there are people mm-hmm. who I guess utilize the currency of it almost exclusively without trying to, um, worry about so much the consequences. But hopefully mm-hmm. they're they're identified for what they are. If if all if all you do is uh, intentionally manufacture or artificially manufacture drama for views mm-hmm. without any substance behind it, then I hope people identify th- that kind of a, a show or streamer for what they are. Not someone who's actually mm-hmm. interested in talking about the news, but is interested in generating uh, controversy through talking about the news. And there should probably mm-hmm. be a distinction between the two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, it, it feels like it comes down to like, 
it feels like it comes down to kind of, you know, the actions and perceptions of, again, A, your peers, so other people who are using the platform to broadcast, and then B, audiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's another example of kind of, you know, the ways that I think modern social media have kind of ha- have cut out a lot of middlemen. Um, in some ways for, you know, in some ways that I think help, like they democratize information and stuff like that, but in other ways that mean that accountability is less direct and maybe less consistent and so like you know is that good is that bad i think that's those are very simple terms on which to view anything but i mean it's certainly like it is right <laughs> we um i think we just need more ego death on a regular basis we should tell maybe there should be a requirement at a certain level once you reach like 2000 live viewers that you have to uh-huh. take like 10 grams of mushrooms and experience just the, the, the yeah the strongest form of ego death possible and then come back refreshed and being like i i am but you know uh, an atom in our collective experience or something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah no that should be yeah exactly that should be all um, all mid mid-sized to large streamers should yeah. just like one day come back and be like, I, I'm just a small grain of sand on the beach. That is the universe. Yeah. And, um, exactly. you know, someday the, the ocean will wash me away and, uh, nothing will change. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I just like to say for the record, please do not take 10 grams of mushrooms. Uh, even in Roblox, it, it most likely will hurt you. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, har- harm reduction, use a, use a moderation yeah. or whatever, but, yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, no, probably especially don't do that in Roblox. There are a lot of kids there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, that seems on like the ideal note to end on. Maybe the best possible one. Honestly, I was just trying to guide the conversation to that point this whole time from the beginning. Um, well <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for joining thank us, you so much for coming me, on the show. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, have a good rest of your day. And also, I hope you feel better from COVID and all of that. I, I'm getting stronger yeah. by the second. Yeah. Go take mm-hmm. some lozenges. <laughs> take more. All right. Cheers. So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times. And if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically thesurfs.tv. You'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help. And yeah, we hope to see you soon. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we beseech thee to smite down our enemies. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are but your humble court jesters, here to amuse you. To our lords, Trevor R., we give thanks for this spit of land for us to eke out this meager existence. To our knights, Merid, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruby Kelly, Ellie Leslie, Alex P., Brandon, Words Greenwood, Nate, that one guy... Hagbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Coulter Smith, Val 9000, Jenna Tall, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Yanis, Lemmy101, Anthropophojack, Seren42, Catherine, Radical Maniac, Ramona Costa, Nkosin, Violent Orchard, Sophie Baby, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Josh Mickelson, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We raise our flag in a veil, and we salute you, our friends.